I guess you all were not expecting to rise my love on the Sunday after Easter, were you? It is always a good time for that song. Amen? Amen. Amen. Absolutely love it. So maybe you can fill in the blank on this question or this statement. Good things come to those who wait. Isn't that nice? Have you ever felt better about waiting after somebody just told you that? Me either. So I've recognized that waiting was not my strong suit as a child, and I think it's actually gotten worse with age. Um, So I've spent some time pondering the question, is there anything I don't mind waiting for? Now, I know that's a weird question, but I I was pondering it anyway because I just don't like to think I'm just really, really bad at anything. I mean, decent, like mid-level, but not like absolutely horrible. So I started thinking, maybe I just have selective impatience. Maybe I've got the patience of Job in some areas, and I've just got no patience in others. So I started to think through, is there anything I don't mind waiting for? Now, I very quickly filled out a list of things I don't like waiting for. And that's a very extensive list of things like traffic lights, slow cars, TSA lines, doctor's appointments, bad internet, flight delays, food at restaurants, answers to prayer, new season of my favorite program, and for the world to suddenly wake up and see everything from my perspective. I've I've got a list. I really do. But my list of things I don't mind waiting for was a much smaller list. Nothing. Nada. Not a single thing came to my mind. So it really messed up my theory of, you know, selective impatience, and I was warming up to that idea. But I started thinking, like, why do I not like waiting so much? And I just started writing out different thoughts, and maybe you can identify with some of these. Maybe you have a different list. These are not in your notes. This is, this is extra. Like, this is extra credit, just if you want it. So uh, my first reason is waiting feels like I'm wasting time. I like to maximize time. I like to get things done. I like to check things off my to-do list and move on to the next project. And waiting just kind of feels like I'm not using time as best I possibly could. Here's my second one. Waiting prolongs getting what I want. Mm -hmm. If I'm waiting, I'm wanting. At the very least, I'm wanting an answer to prayer. I'm I'm wanting to get through security faster at an airport. I want to get home faster after work. Like, if I'm waiting on something, I'm wanting. And and I don't like that. Here's another one. Waiting creates anxiousness around timelines. And there's different timelines. There's preferred, and then there's actual. Preferred was yesterday. Actual might be a month from now. So it really doesn't matter which way you look at it. The longer you wait, the more anxiety begins to come up because you're like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Is it coming? Is it not coming? Like the longer I wait, the more anxious I become. And this, my fourth one could easily be my major reason for not liking to wait. And it might be the same for you. Waiting reminds me I'm not in control. Here's the thing. If I'm waiting for something, there's a really good chance I can't fix it myself. I'm having to wait for someone else. I'm having to wait on God. I'm having to wait for something. So if I could change it, I would. But since I can't, I guess I'll just have to wait. I don't like waiting. 
There's a lot of reasons people dislike waiting, and I've met some people that are far better at it than what I am, but I didn't exactly set the bar that high. So if humanity is not going to wake up tomorrow with this new passion for waiting, is there a way that we can reframe things to understand it from a better perspective, a biblical perspective, to understand it from God's perspective? Uh, Why is waiting so important? How is it beneficial? Is it possible to gain a better perspective of what God is doing and how he is using those times of waiting to do a work in us and through us and around us? So the answer on that is yes, and we're going to get into that this morning. But I want you to hold that thought, and I'm going to make another connection back to a theme that I brought up in January of this year. A church theme, something that I want us to emphasize and focus on for this year is share his story. Share his story. And at the time when I brought it up, here's what I said. Anything good in our life is good because of him. We did not enter God's story, or or rather, God has entered ours. God is the one who makes our story something that is incredible. So God's story, it began in eternity past, and it is still unfolding individually and locally as well as globally. A part of us sharing God's story is recognizing and stewarding two key parts. What God did, that is the story of the gospel. And what God is doing, that is the story of kingdom activity. God is still using the gospel to transform lives. He is still answering prayers. He's still healing people. He is still working in relationships. He is still providing. He is still protecting. He is still drawing people out of darkness into his marvelous light. He is still at work. So here's my statement. How does waiting connect with sharing his story. Are you ready for this? If we don't learn to wait on God, we will never recognize the depth of the story he's telling. Here's the reason. If we don't learn to wait on God, we will never earnestly seek him in prayer because prayer is a waiting game. If we don't learn to wait on God, then we are going to struggle with abiding in Christ because abiding is a waiting game. If we don't learn to wait on the Lord, then we're not going to be focused on discipleship because discipleship takes time. Discipleship is a waiting game. So if everything flows out of relationship with God, and if the very disciplines that develop that relationship require patience, and if the depth of God's story is only recognized as we spend time with him, then waiting on God is crucial for our development in Christ. Now, it goes without saying, none of us like to wait. But we can all learn the value in waiting, and we can all learn lessons in waiting. Now, as much as we would like to learn those lessons in a church service, we won't. We will learn principles in a church service. We will open up the word in a church service. But you know how we actually learn the lessons of waiting? In the uncomfortable moments of life. We learn waiting by waiting. I know that makes you all feel great this morning. So with that being said... There's a really good chance every single person in this room is waiting on God for at least one or two things in their life right now. All of us. 
So I'm going to give you one key truth. This key truth is going to be one we pull out in this text. It's going to be a key truth for the entire series. Here's one key truth. It helps reframe the way we look at waiting. Here it is. God prepares us through the waiting to better embrace his will on the other side. God prepares us in the waiting, through the waiting, to better embrace his will on the other side. We're going to work that idea out through Psalm chapter 27, verse number 14. Feel free to turn there in your Bibles if you have them. Bible apps, if it's on your phone, follow along on the screens behind me if you would like. We're going to be in this one verse, Psalm chapter 27, verse number 14. I'm speaking this morning on the subject of wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Very simple passage, but here's what it says. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Let's read it again. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Let's pray. Father, may you unlock the truths of Scripture, allowing your spirit to guide us into truth. May we receive from this text what you desire for us to receive, and God, help us to reframe what you're doing in the process of waiting. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We're going to take a few moments, and we're going to set up Psalm 27, because you, you need to understand the flow in order to get into this one particular verse. And we're going to spend a lot of time here, and all of the information, most of what you find on your sermon outline sheet, is going to go pretty quick towards the end. But we need to set everything up first. So Psalm 27 is a psalm about trusting in God. In the very first three verses, David expresses confidence in God based upon past encounters that he has had with God. He says in verses 1 through 3 that God has been a blessing to him as his light, as his salvation, and also as his stronghold. All of those are trustworthy characteristics. Then in verses 4 through 6, David shares his desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And when he describes God's earthly tabernacle, he calls it the house of the Lord, verse 4, the temple, verse 4, his dwelling, verse 5, and his tabernacle, verses 5 and 6. So why does David want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life? Well, he answers that question for us in verses 7 through 12. David wants his prayers to be heard, verse number 7. He wants to see God's face. He wants to live in God's presence. He, he wants to know God deeply. That's found in verse number 8. When David comes before God, he wants to be accepted by the Lord, verse 9. He wants to learn from the Lord, verse 11. He wants to be led by the Lord, also in verse 11. So basically, David is coming before God, and he's saying, God, hear me. God, show me. God, accept me. God, teach me. God, lead me. That sounds a whole lot like a lot of our prayers. So does David actually think that God is going to answer this prayer? Yes, he does. In fact, look at what he says in verse number 13. After describing how he sought God and how God intervened, here's what he said. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, he's saying, if I didn't believe God was going to answer, 
If I didn't believe God was going to come through, he was like, I would have been broken. I would have been hopeless. I would have been overwhelmed. I would have been a mess had I not believed that I was going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I want you to think about that for yourself. Have you found yourself in a place that you cannot budge, you cannot change, you cannot manipulate, but you also cannot ignore? And the only thing that's kind of holding you together is the fact that you have prayed, and here's what it is. You know that God has heard your prayers, and you also know he will answer. And that is where your faith, and that is where your hope, and that is where your dependence is at. Those two things, God has heard my prayers, and God is going to answer. If you can identify with any part of what I've just described then I want you to listen to both the warning as well as the counsel of David to a person in that exact set of circumstances. Here's what David is telling us. God's answers will not always come immediately. It's going to require us to have patience. But there's purpose in this waiting period. This is big. Are are you ready for it? Like, If you get nothing else, get this piece. Sometimes God has to get us right in order to receive the answer. Sometimes God has to get us quiet to understand the answer. Sometimes God has to get circumstances aligned to produce the answer. God's answer will come in his timing according to his wisdom and in alignment with his will. But we need to anticipate that there's very likely going to be a delay between when we ask and when God answers. And why is that so important? Because silence will freak us out in our prayer life. We don't like it when God gets silent. We don't like delays. When God doesn't answer immediately, we start second-guessing everything. We question our worth and our value before God. We question our relationship with God. We question, God, did you hear my prayer? God, are you paying attention to my needs? God, do you really even care what's happening in my life? God, did I pray the right way? God, are you waiting for me to do something before you act? God, what am I supposed to do? Silence will mess us up. But listen, here's here's the thing. What does David do in that moment look at verse 14 wait for the lord be strong and let your heart take courage yes wait for the lord now as usual david doesn't keep his faith to himself side note nor should we our faith needs to be shared that's a part of sharing his story it's a part of what god's doing in our life so While the words are first given as encouragement for David's own heart, there's now a much wider application to God's people. Psalm 27 is a personal dialogue between David and God. It's almost like you get a chance to sit in and listen to his prayer time, to read what he's writing in his prayer journal. And a moment ago, I pointed out that David started the psalm by expressing his confidence in God on the basis of past experience with God. In other words, he frames the current moment in light of past experiences that he has had. He's basically saying, God has been my light. 
He has been my salvation. He has been my defense. He has been my stronghold. Because of that, because of what he has shown me back here, I don't have to be afraid in this moment. David knows from past experience that God often takes time in answering those prayers. David, in this text, he's, he's in that uncomfortable waiting period. He is in between his prayer and God's answer. He's at that point where you could say it like this. God, I know you can answer my prayer. God, I'm just not sure if you're willing to do it for me. Have you ever found yourself in that place? where, like, God, I don't question your ability. I don't, I don't even question your time. I just don't know. Is that what you want to do in my life in this situation? Verse 14 is like a spiritual pep talk that David is giving himself. <laughs> this is great to me. It's like, David, this whole thing has been a dialogue between God and David. And basically gets into verse 14, and he's basically like, David, wait for the Lord. Don't lose heart. You've been here before. You've seen what God's done. Take courage right now. Don't give up in the process. David, wait for the Lord. Listen to this. Sometimes you have to sit yourself down and just have a good talk. Sometimes you got to sit yourself down and you stop and say, what do I believe to be true about God? And am I living in accordance with that right now? It's in those come to Jesus moments, if we don't have them, that our impatience will cause us to take matters into our own hands. That never ends well. Please hear me. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. His silence, oh, please get this. His silence may be no, it may be not right now, but his silence is never yes. Y'all didn't get that. I'm going to share it with you again. His silence may be no. It may be not right now. But his silence is never yes. Why do I say that? Scripture says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Until God has spoken, it's presumption on our side. Wait on the Lord. Don't rush ahead of what he has going on. Wait on the Lord. So now we're going to process through some critical questions about what it looks like to wait on the Lord. Here's the first one. What does it mean to wait for the Lord? The answer is the word wait in verse number 14, it means to bind together. Look patiently, tarry or wait, hope or earnestly expect. In the Old Testament, Waiting on the Lord is usually tied to trusting God's providential care for the daily pressures of life. In the New Testament, waiting for the Lord is usually connected to the second coming of Christ and how his return should impact our daily life. Isn't it interesting? There's a, there's a different connotation from Old to New Testament. Either way you want to look at it, it's a good reason to wait on the Lord. You're waiting on his, his daily provision, his providential care, and you're also waiting on his second coming and how that return impacts how you live. Either way you look at it, it's wonderful truth in relation to waiting on the Lord. Question number two, how are we to wait for the Lord? 
Well, this is not an exhaustive list, but man, David gives us a great, simple, basic pattern to follow. We are to reflect upon God's trustworthiness in our past. That's what he's doing at the first part of chapter 27. Reflect upon the stories. What has God done? What has he taught? How has God led in the past? Second, bring all of our needs to him in prayer. The Bible clearly says, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. There's nothing so small that you cannot bring. There's nothing so big that he cannot handle. Bring all of your needs to him in prayer. Number three, remember it takes strength and courage to wait on God. That was one that kind of shocked me as I was studying the text. It takes strength to wait. It takes courage. When, when you're seeing the deadline or you're even preferred deadline get closer and closer and you're not seeing things lined up it takes courage it takes strength to sit there and say God I'm trusting you I'm waiting on you I don't want to jump ahead of you God give me courage give me strength to wait number four we should not take matters into our own hands I'm going to get into that in just a few moments as to why that's so important and the last one is Wait with an attitude of hope and confident expectation. That actually comes from the definition of wait. Uh, The end of that is to hope or to eagerly expect. Uh, If you get into Psalm chapter 61, you'll, you'll see this verse. It says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. That's the basic framework. But listen to what he says. My hope is from him. There's a hope that should come as we wait. Our hope should be in God. Question number three, why should we wait for the Lord? Simple answer is obedience. If God tells us to wait, we wait. But I love the fact that even beyond obedience, Scripture gives so many blessings that come to those who wait. All of these are in your notes. The reference is off to the side. I'm just going to go through them quickly. But according to Scripture, God renews our strength if we wait on him. God is good to those who wait on him. God hears our prayers as we wait on him. God exalts those who wait on him. This last one's longer, but God inclines his ear to our need. He he rescues us. He establishes us. He secures us. He puts a new song in our mouth when we wait on him. All of those are incredible benefits. Question number four, how long are we to wait for the Lord? I will answer this question through a particular scene from the spiritual classic Ace Ventura. (laughs) There's a scene when he is in this empty pool and he's about to go down and look for clues. There's some people standing on the rim around the pool. He's about to go down the ladder and he looks up at him and he says, If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. I wonder if God would have a similar perspective. If I've not answered you in four months, if if I've not answered you in one year, if I've not answered you in five years, just wait longer. Here it is. We wait until God answers or we wait until he releases us to pursue something else. 
Oh, this is good. God's best through waiting is always better than our best right now. Wait for him. Question five. What should we remember when waiting for the Lord? There's so much that could come in at this point, but all I'm trying to do in this entire section is help people reframe things, to see things from God's perspective, to give hope to the person who they've been waiting for months, years. I don't know how long they've been waiting, but here's some statements that I want you to hear. First, Vance Havner said, he who waits on God loses no time. It might seem as though you're wasting time by waiting. You're never wasting time by waiting on God. Second, taking matters into our own hands can have devastating consequences for years to come. There are situations that we can get, listen, a version of what we think we want by ourselves. We can manipulate it. We can force the agenda. We can move things on. We, we can have certain situations that we can get a version of what we think we want in that moment. But Genesis chapter 16 and chapter 18 shows that Abraham and Sarah tried the exact same thing when it came to the child of promise. And because of them jumping ahead of God's plan, it has brought problems and consequences to this very day. Proverbs chapter 3, it tells us, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. If we jump ahead of God and do it ourselves, that is the exact opposite of living according to that proverb. I'm going to give you a reference. Here's a proverb that I challenge you. Memorize this one verse. It is Proverb chapter 19, verse 3. Every believer should memorize this verse. Here it is. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Amen. I'm going to tell you, you slide that one out on Twitter and you're not going to get a lot of people liking it. But how many times is it so true? We don't wait on God. We, we don't do what he says. It's, the text is so clear. People ruin their own lives by their own foolishness and then they get angry at God. Like somehow God did not hold them back. When they walked after barrier after barrier, and they, they went past wise counsel after wise counsel, and they disobeyed what Scripture said, and then they get into a difficult situation like, God, why did you do this to me? And it's like God's saying, I've done everything I know to do in order to get you to stop right where you're at. Let's be clear. Waiting doesn't mean we sit idly. Waiting means we do the work he's already called us to do. We continue to pray. And to ask God to bring the answer. We continue to come before God and say, God, give me ears to hear. Help me to understand the lesson that you're teaching in this moment. And we look expectantly towards God's answer in the future. Here's the next one. God's best often takes time. We all want God's best. We just don't like to have to wait for God's best. Have you ever noticed that some of the best things in life take time. Let me give you an example. There is a massive difference between a homegrown, vine-ripened tomato and those synthetically altered things that are sitting in a grocery store. There's a reason why you have people who pull off the side of the road at a farmer's market to get something that's real. 
Okay, it takes time. Do I even need to bring up the difference between regular versus instant grits? Or are we okay on that? Like, like <laughs> that one issue should settle it. The, the best things in life take time. Here's the next one. God is not in a hurry. He works from and for eternity. He waited 75 years to tell Abraham about the son of promise. He waited 25 years to bring that son. He told Noah to build an ark 120 years before the rains came. He allowed Moses to tend his father-in-law's sheep for 40 years prior to leading the Hebrew people out of bondage. Jesus prepared 30 years for a three-year ministry. God's not in a hurry. We're in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. Next one. God uses the waiting to prepare us for the answer. As you read the story of Abram, Abraham, as he's waiting for the son of promise, and this story is found from Genesis 12 through Genesis 21. If you read that story, I would encourage you to write off to the side all the lessons that God was teaching him along the way. He learned in this period of time. He learned about worship and about trust about prayer and about God's provision. He learned about relationships. He learned about submission. He learned about sharing, flexibility, courage, leadership, giving, patience, sacrifice, the effects of sin, forgiveness, obedience, service, hospitality, God's promises. God is preparing us for what he has prepared for us. He's preparing us through those times of waiting. The next one. Everything has an appointed time. Part of wisdom is waiting until God is ready. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's an appointed time for everything. And then from that statement, he gives 28 examples of timing. There's a time to give birth. There's a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot what was planted. God has a right time for everything. Wisdom recognizes God has his own timing, and wisdom submits to the timing of God. Here's the next one. The enemy will use the waiting to fill our mind with lies. We must use the waiting to renew our minds with truth. The enemy will lie to you during that time of waiting cause you to question your worth and your value before God, your relationship with God. He, he causes you to question those things. And here's the thing. If he can get you to doubt God during periods of silence, he can get you to ignore God in times of need. Use the time to renew your mind in truth. And here's our last one. If the answer has not yet come, it's because the answer is not yet needed. Trust him. He is not early. He's going to be right on time. And when the answer comes, that's when that answer is absolutely needed. So here's that key truth again. God prepares us through the waiting to better embrace his will on the other side. I want you to personalize this message for just a moment. Where is God telling you right now, I want you to wait? Wait on me. What set of circumstances are you trying to budge? Are you trying to change? Are you trying to get worked out yourself? And you just keep hitting obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And the whole time God's saying, wait, 
Wait. Don't get ahead of wait. What are the lessons that God has been teaching you in the meantime? Are you writing those lessons down? Because you're going to have to go back and look at them again. What are the lessons he's already taught you in the past that he wants you to apply to this current situation that you're walking through? All of those types of questions and more are important if we're trusting God during those times of silence. God prepares us through the waiting to better embrace his will on the other side. Maybe today is a day that you need to prayerfully tell God, God, I'm sorry for trying to force things myself. Give me the courage, give me the strength to wait for you. Maybe, all this is going to be hard, maybe God has already clearly told you what to do. You just don't like the answer he gave and you're sitting and doing nothing thinking he's going to change his mind. That's called waiting in disobedience. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Journal what God teaches you. Share what God is teaching you with others. It's in the silence that God develops the story that he wants you to share for years down the road. Now is when that story is being developed. Also, take comfort in the fact that when you're waiting, God is still working. God is active. He is doing exactly what he desires to do. If you would, bow with me for prayer as we close. Heads bow for just a moment here. Our pastors and some of the pastor's wives are going to be making their way to the front there's going to be the band that's also coming back up to lead in a final song. But we're going to open up just a time of invitation. And I'm not sure where God is leading in your life. It might be that there's something that God has been telling you for a while. You need to wait on me. And you're trying to force it. Maybe today is the day that you simply say, God, I'm sorry. It might be that you need somebody to come alongside of you and pray with you during a time of waiting. There's pastors and pastor's wives that are here. There's counselors that are here that would love to be able to do that. There might be others who, they're looking for a church home. They're like, I've been waiting for a long time, but I sense God leading me here. And I've kind of been putting it off for a while, but I need to make this our church home. If that's the case, I want to encourage you, come talk to one of the pastors today. Let them know what's going on. They'll take you through the steps that you would need to walk through. Wherever God is leading, would you simply obey and follow the promptings of the Spirit? I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then the altar is going to be open, and anybody who would like to come pray at the altar, feel free. If there's somebody who wants to pray at their seat, that's fine. If you want somebody to pray with you, or if you've got a question, just come, talk to us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the fact that your word is so incredibly clear about our need to wait for you. So Lord, may we be good stewards of your story while we're waiting. God, give us courage, give us strength, give us your perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand as we sing, the invitation is open.
Father, we thank you for this message this morning. And God, I pray personally that this just wouldn't be another message. We just hear it walk out. But God, I know without a shadow of a doubt, you're speaking. So Father, as your children, help us to listen. And Lord, not only that, but to wait. Sometimes your answer may be yes, sometimes it may be no, but Lord, help us to be obedient in the waiting. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when you listen to a message like that, and you start thinking about your own lives and the lives of everybody in this room, and just without a shadow of a doubt, God is saying to somebody, hey, stop. You're going too far. Stop, 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 stop. And in a message like this, he's speaking very, very clearly through his word because your actions can impact multiple people, multiple people. And so in listening to that message, I pray that whatever you have to do to get it right with the Lord today, I pray that it's done. I pray that it's done. Because God is a loving God, and he desires 
with all of our heart for us to be intimately connected to him so that when we ask, he's listening and he is speaking to us. But sometimes he's just going to say, hey, okay, you just need to wait. I'm not going to reveal it yet. You just need to wait just a little while longer. And I pray that we'll all find joy and peace in the waiting. Amen? Amen. So if you need to make some next steps, and you need to talk to a pastor or talk to someone, please come out and meet us out at the welcome desk. We would love to talk to you, talk to your family about how to get a closer relationship with the Lord. Also, if you want to talk about salvation, baptism, maybe that stirred your heart this morning, said, I need to get baptized, I need to be connected to a church, they're willing to talk to you about that as well. But we ask that whatever you do, whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online, make a decision today to follow the Lord in obedience and wait. Wait for him. So we have a next step desk right out in the atrium. If you're watching online, please call us, email us something, and just let us know that you made a decision. We would love to talk to you. As a matter of fact, we have a new texting feature. If you look at it up here on the screens, there's a number that you can text. If you desire a relationship with the Lord, just type in relationship. Or if you want prayer, just type in prayer through that texting number, and you'll be able to reach one of us, uh, one of our pastors here on staff. And so the Lord is desiring to do some great things in and through your life. Next few things. If you're visiting for the very first time this morning, we want to say welcome. <laughs> we're, church family, are we grateful that they're here this morning? <laughs> Amen. We are so grateful for our guests this morning. Our pastor and his wife, Bria, will be out at the welcome desk immediately following service. They would love to meet you, and we would love to meet you and know how we can pray for you and your family. And just say thank you for coming. Man, we're so grateful for you. And then also, Tonight, uh, our pastor will be walking through a series, and listen, you do not want to miss, uh, to miss tonight, all right? And you're like, man, Sunday nights is my night. You know, I just, I sit down and I relax. I get ready for Monday. Listen, tonight, our pastor will be talking about what happened to miracles. In the Bible, you'll see miracles happen, blind people receiving their sight, lame people getting up and walking. Why does that not happen today, or, or is it happening today? And so our pastor is going to answer that tonight. And so we want to welcome you to come back tonight. And then also I want to invite you just a few things. A lot of you are new here and you're like, man, how do I get involved and how do I get connected into service? The first one, uh, Kristen came up on the uh, iMags here right before service. The children's ministry needs workers. Your kids needs workers, okay? You know them kids you drop off and don't see them for another hour? Them kids. They need help. Amen. Those kids, the ones you forget the names of until you go back there and get them. All right, listen, I'm joking about this, but they need help, all right? So if the Lord is leading you in that direction, go back and talk to them right there, right through there to the children's desk. Go watch, go talk to them and say, hey, I need to volunteer. I want to help. You know, I may not be a child, children, but help me. Put me to work. Help me to understand where God needs me to be. And so please go talk to her. And then in addition to that, we have Serve Day coming up. Serve Day is a day when we get a chance to go out into our community to help serve the community. And so this form is right out on the, on the, in the atrium on a little sheet out there. It tells you what items we have for Serve Day. And then we've got a food distribution, prayer cards, a number of things. So please grab one of these and sign up. In addition to that, we have Operation Christmas Child. Many of you love Operation Christmas Child. Amen. How many people in here love Operation Christmas Child? Amen. They're doing great work around the world sharing the gospel, and so you're able to help fill up 
the baskets for Operation Christmas Child. And so grab one of these. It'll tell you exactly how to purchase items. And then you can go to your Sunday school, and they give you items there as well. And so grab one of these. And then the last thing, um, God talks about two people uh, in the Scripture consistently, widows and orphans. And one of the areas that we want to make sure we minister to where we have a lot of widows and widowers is at the nursing homes. And so in the nursing homes, they need some different things. Okay, here's a list. There's bins on the outside. Please grab one of these on your way out. These are things that you can pick up, bring back to the church. The choir is going to create some baskets for them. They're going to pray for them and then actually take them over there. All right, so grab some of these on your way out. All right, so we love you guys. We love you. Wait, 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 wait on the Lord. Amen. We love you. You're dismissed to Sunday school. Shout.